very glad you're here this morning uh, to celebrate uh, who the Lord is in our lives. Uh, it's great to have you here. Great to have you joining in person and also online for our Christmas series, Hope is Here. Uh, if you're unconvinced or convinced in faith, it really doesn't matter uh, when it comes to this idea of hope. There needs to be hope in our lives. Uh, hope needs to be more than a concept, an idea, uh, just uh, something we grab our hearts onto. It needs to actually be a person. And through this series, we've discovered that Jesus is that person. Jesus is our hope. Hope is just not a concept. Now, when it comes to all these ideas, uh, attraction in our life, when it comes to hope and Jesus being that hope, uh, you know, we start to think about these things, and some of us who have been in church world for a while, uh, kind of some of the wonder gets worn off. Some of the awe gets worn off, and we need to be a people of awe. We need to have things that, in a sense, take our breath away. And, uh, you know, I'd love to pass the mic around and say, what was the last time something really took your breath away, made you go, ah, made you uh, just really just caught you off of surprise? And, uh, you know, things for us sometimes seem so commonplace, so familiar, even though they're wow things, even though they are our things, that they just lose their edge, lose that traction in our life. And uh, one of the things that I think really creates that awe is nature. So I want you just to kind of settle in and be awed, refreshed as you look at these scenes. For some of us, it's really easy to look at a scenes like that and go, oh, I've seen stuff like that before. And it's just kind of like, oh, hum, you know, that, that's beautiful, but, you know, whatever. It doesn't, again, captivate us the way it ought to, in a sense, because our culture really has, in a sense that we live in, has stripped us away from the awe. Uh, things just don't, just don't captivate us the same way. Uh, uh, we're not surprised anymore. It's just kind of regular kinds of things. And when it comes to God, a part of our lives, and when it comes to thinking if there is a God who could be a part of our lives, we need to have an awe. It needs to be really come back into our hearts. And as we look at life and as we think about hope for even when we're a little scared or hope for the fearful, this awe plays a part in all of this, the awe of who God is. And I don't know what you think about and what catches your mind and catches your imagination, but, uh, you know, uh, Chevy has decided that this might catch your imagination, and that's why they put these thoughts together in this commercial. Walter. Out to you. Walter. 12 o'clock. Come on, bud. You're scaring him. Walter. Walter. One evening as the sun went down in the jungle 
fire was burning. Okay, last one. I'm headed for a land that's far away beside the crystal mountain. So come with me, we'll go and see the big rock candy mountain. That is incredible. I know, right? It's the multiplex tailgate. It can be a step, you can extend the bed, it can even become a workspace. Mr. Cat. What's so great about him? He didn't have a workspace. He's a cat. <laughs> Again, what catches our eye, what we say is awe, is all a little different. But when it comes to knowing God and having him part of our life, there needs to remain a awe factor in our life. It needs to, in a sense, captivate us. It needs to be a part of who we are. Uh, when we're not captivated by awesome, it oftenly becomes awful. And it's interesting, that word awful, up until the 1800s, actually was a positive word. When someone say, that's awful, they meant it was full of awe. And then there was some sarcastic thing going on with one of the leaders of Great Britain, and they said, that's awful, and it meant like bad, like we think about it, but they kind of made that a joke. And sometimes I have a friend uh, who, when we uh, are looking at something and really don't want to give a negative uh, impression of it, we say, that's unbelievable. Because that can mean negative or, oh, that's unbelievable. And it's like code that we really don't like it. That's unbelievable. Well, the same thing happened with awful. But now today, awful means awful, not full of awe. And, uh, you know, the idea of being captivated by that and understanding that. And a lot of times when we think about what really captivates us, what makes us see, see awe, it comes out of awful. It's something that's like, wow, that's awful. That's amazingly awful. And then all of a sudden something good comes out of it. And then we're like, wow, and it captivates our heart. And that makes me think of Superman, of course, and this scene from one of his movies. Yeah, the crowd loves it. Something that was going to be awful becomes awesome. And so sometimes you and I, when it comes to the things in our life, when it comes to a tragedy, we're waiting for the awful to become awesome. And we're just waiting for that. And we find ourselves not being captivated at ground level with things that should be awing us. So we sometimes think of uh, the bad becoming good. Uh, we think of what is novel to us. And then once it wears off, you know, once, you know if, if those tailgates really take off, on those pickup trucks, you know, in 10 years, probably in two years, it would be like no big deal. But now it's kind of like, wow, and, you know, the cat and all those kinds of things. Uh, sometimes it involves things that we're getting, and it reminds me of this guy thinking he's getting a great present. Hey, Mom, really? Is this necessary? <laughs> Happy graduation, sweetie. Status 
update. Best day of my life! <laughs> I'm calling Grandma. Grandma. Should we tell him that? No, no, let him tire out first. Jogger! Check out my sweet ride! How can you jog when you can drive? <laughs> Not yet, he's losing steam. Just let a ride's course. I'm marrying you right now! So marrying you right now! Mom, we're getting married! This is the best day of my life! Hey, Steve. Best gift ever! Love the car. Best gift ever! Best gift ever! Yes, best gift ever! Love you guys so much! Hey! Mr. Johnson just stole my car! <laughs> what captivates you? What makes you go, ah, that is awesome? And what replaces awful and makes it awesome? That's what we're going to be talking about as we look at the life of Mary. And we see the situation that's going on in her life. She has a moment. She has a tipping point where she could say, this is awesome or this is awful. You can go either way. And, you know, as we look at Mary, you know, it's common thought that she was a teenager, as young as 12, as old as 18. Uh, matters and doesn't matter at one level, but she definitely teaches us a lesson. She's at that threshold. And if you and I are going to experience change in our life when it comes to a spiritual life walking with God, that awe needs to be renewed and needs to stay on the forefront of our lives and when we have situations come into our lives that might make us scared, might give us anxiety, we need to either say, this is going to be awful, or is this going to be awesome? And there's a choice there. And, uh, you know, it's sometimes not, not an automatic choice. You just throw the switch, and now it's awesome instead of awful. Sometimes it's a thing you have to keep coming back to and coming back to. But being in that state of awe when it comes to God, a part of our lives, who God is, needs to be a part of who we are. Solomon says it this way, the starting point for acquiring wisdom, the tools to live well, is to be consumed with awe as you worship Yahweh, Yahweh God, consumed with awe. Uh, some versions say fear, but the real idea is awe, respect. We get consumed with it. To receive the revelation of the Holy One, you must come to the one who has living understanding. So when we think about life and we think about the things that get us down, that create fear in our life, that make us fearful, the hope that is here is for the fearful. And it all begins with acquiring this wisdom that lives in a state of awe towards God and understanding that. And again, some of us have been so accustomed, become so familiar with Yahweh, with God in our lives, that uh, indirectly, it's kind of like a yawn. We see the Christmas story depicted in different ways, and it's like a yawn. Uh, again, coming back to the idea of uh, awe, awe is often translated into English as fear, but it can also mean respect, reverence, and worship. And sometimes we think of something demands worship or pulls worship out of you. But really this idea is that it, you're, it's a response. You start to see who God is, and it's not that he makes you worship him. It's not that he demands something from you, but you can't help but catch your breath and go, wow, that is God doing something 
and now I'm taking whatever's happening in my life, and instead of having it be awful, I'm going to make it awesome because I'm in awe of God, and I know he's at work. I know he, I have a future because of him. When Moses meets God in the burning bush, that's one of those moments where he, he's just captivated by who God is. Sight and sound uh, down in Pennsylvania does a wonderful job at depicting the burning bush scene where God speaks to Moses and grabs his attention and you see the awe in his response. You are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why are you afraid? Because you know who I am and what I have done. Moses, I do know you. And now, I want you to know me. And really, that's what the Christmas story is about. God knows us and now wants us to know him. That, that's the good news. That's the gospel. And when we have an awe of who God is, and we know that he wants to know us on an individual level, he doesn't just group us together as a people. He knows you. And uh, he, he gives himself fully to you. And because he's God, he can give himself fully to each one of us. It's not like you have time and you have some people in your life and you need to give this much time to this person, this much time to this person, and you can't give all of yourself because you're trying to balance all these relationships. God as being God, and we looked at that the first week, and, and Jesus being Jesus in the beginning as we talked all about those kinds of Trinity things and all those things that are hard to get our mind around, which is good, we can't get our mind around. We realize that God knows each one of us and gives himself completely to us. He knows us, but he wants us to know him. And a huge part of that is awe. It moves from fear to awe. Not to awful, but awesome. And uh, as we think about this, one of the wonderful things about having really a tangible traction of awe in your life is awe dispels fear. Whatever you and I are facing... Knowing who God is, who Jesus is, who his spirit is, dispels fear in our life. I take whatever's going on in my life and I put it before God, whether I do it you know, figuratively in my mind, I, I put it, lay it at his feet. Sometimes we talk in church world, we lay it at the cross. We put it in God's hands, we release it. And because of who he is and all he is, and I'm just getting a little fraction of that, it dispels fear. And we see that happening with Mary. Some of us know the story. Think about Mary trying to explain what's going on in her life to family and friends. This could be awful. Text messages, hey, hey friend, friends, something awful has happened to me. Or... 
something awesome has happened to me. And the awesome happens because she is in awe of God. So if you look at Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, you can find that in one of the rack Bibles. And if you don't have your own copy of God's Word, you want a paper copy, please feel free to take that as a gift from Seneca Community Church. Um, also, there's this free Bible app, version. You can put that on your phone. You can put that on your tablet, whatever. And then you can have God's Word with you wherever you go. You get some downtime instead of going right to Facebook. You can go read the verse maybe you read in the morning and review that and have it speak to your heart. What a great blessing Life Church is to many of us by having that free app. So, odd dispels fear. And we start to get into Mary's life, and there's this moment where she's either going to be afraid or awed by an angel. Two kinds of reactions. We read in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, we talked about that last week, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. And yes, Mary was highly favored. And I don't feel I'm stretching this at all, but I want you to know, if you're on planet Earth, you've got to know that God loves you. And because God offered his son to cover our sins, our selfishness, so we could have a relationship with God, you are highly favored too. The Lord is with you. He sang Emmanuel, God with us. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might mean. She's in afraid awe, situation starting to unfold. What is going on in her life? The angel, Gabriel, gets right to it. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. I, what I'm going to tell you, you don't have to be scared. You can not be scared. You can see that I'm going about to do something in your life. I'm speaking to you. And I want to say that if you have a copy of God's word and you let yourself be exposed to the teaching of him, that God is speaking to you all the time. Angel means messenger. Angel means messenger. You have messengers all around you. And it's not kind of soft selling it like, oh, it's just the Bible. You're not going to have an angel, blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, you know you, but you have God speaking to you. And you have to react. Is this awful or is this awesome? I have to be honest with you. Sometimes I react, this is awful. I got to do what? I can't do this. I got to, that's awful, not awesome. But when you and I begin to get captivated by awe of who God is, who God is, when you and I stop and pray, our prayers are going into the throne room, whatever that is, where all a bunch of angels are, where they're singing, holy, holy, holy him. God is there on the throne. Christ is next to him. And there's the apostles and all this action's going on. You read some of the revelation. You read some other passages. This is all going on. Your prayer is going into that room. Sometimes that makes me a little scared. Boy, I wonder if they, I'm happy it's like heaven. They're, they're nice up there. So when I say these, you know, not clear thinking, when I'm being selfish, it's not like they're all going, I can't believe Dave just asked for that. What is wrong with him? You know, they're like having, you know, that's not going on. You can approach it with boldness and confidence, the writer of Hebrews tells us. 
So we all have messengers. We all have messages to our life how to live. And we can either say, that is awful. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that. Or we can say, that is awesome. And it rises and falls on how much awe we have for God in our life. And we move on with Mary. She can be either afraid or awed by the assignment. Very clear. I want to say that 95% of the decisions I have to make in my life are very clear. God is pretty clear. I don't have to wonder about doing things right. I don't have to wonder about loving people, about being kind to Cindy, kind to Mariah, kind to the kids. Kind, I, I don't have to wonder about that. That's pretty clear. That's probably like a big chunk of my life. The, the edge stuff, it comes, but the, the bulk of life is pretty clear. The assignment is pretty clear. For Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. It's the same name as Joshua. He will be great and will be called the son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Unbelievable. What is going on? What is she going to do with this? How is she going to respond? This is awful. Can't believe I'm going to have to tell my parents about this. They're not going to believe this. My friends aren't going to believe this. This is awful. This ruins my plans. What's Joseph going to say? What's going to happen? I, you know, it, this is awful or this is awesome. And it all rises and falls on having a respect and awe a fear that even produces some trembling, a little nervousness, that makes the tipping point for that. Talking about this a little bit more, awe addresses doubt. The more awe I have for God, the more I'm captivated by who he is as I learn who he is, his greatness. And again, those words are just so small. He's almighty God. When I start to get a glimpse of all of that, and basically it is a glimpse it increases my awe, and it helps me deal with doubt. There's two kinds of doubts we're talking about. Dishonest doubts are closed-minded, proud, and defiant. They're, they're sarcastic. They're, they're skeptical. It doesn't mean you don't ask a question, as we saw last week, and we could take a look at Zechariah and what he says, uh, it, you know, that all of that. But it's this idea that, uh, you know, how do we respond to that? Zechariah asks the same question we're going to see that Mary asks, basically. And, and Mary is exalted for her, for her question, and Zechariah is silenced by his question. What's the difference? There was some doubt, something going on in his heart. He wasn't being completely honest. He wasn't, he didn't, he is skeptical, didn't like where this was going. He didn't like all of this. Uh, we see the same in Moses himself. This is after the burning bush. Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. I don't want to do this. This isn't for me. Uh, I look at who I am. I look at who you are. But you're not big enough to make me be who you want me to be. Uh, I don't have confidence that you're going to work in my life. And so the doubt grows. It's a, it's a dishonest doubt in a sense. I don't want to do it. People of Israel traveling, same kind of thing. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land only to let us fall by the sword? Their assignment, God in their life, 
at this point, is awful, not awesome. Their awe is shrinking. I mean, they've seen it all. I mean, if you saw what Israel saw leaving Egypt, you, you, you think your cup would be full with God's awesome. Not always the case. Same thing can happen to us. Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose to, leave, to choose a leader and go back to Egypt. We should get rid of Moses and go back. You see, their doubt was just taking over. The awe of who God was, what he can do, was diminishing. And what he was leading them to do became um, awful. Then we have uh, Mary. Honest doubts and open to belief. Want to repeat this, repeat this, repeat this, repeat this. We are a church that does not reject questions. Does not want you to think, oh, I can't ask that question. In the right setting at the right time, we want your questions. And together we can discover the answers when we don't know the answers. Having a question is not wrong. We see that in Mary. Mary has a question. Uh, Zachariah, from his heart, there was doubts, there was other things going on there. The, the way he presented what he was thinking, that wasn't right. We're talking about right-spirited questions. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Great question. I haven't been with a man. How can I have a baby? Then he talks about the Holy Spirit will come and overshadow you and this, and we're like, I don't even know what that really means, but we know that Mary's expecting now. She wasn't with a man. She had a baby, and she was a virgin. But Mary asked that question, and that is okay. You and I, when we have questions uh, and we go to God, it isn't minimizing his awe, his awesome. It's almost legitimizing. It's saying, I don't understand how all this works, so I'm looking to you to help me. To either give me the answer or give me the strength to move in that direction without having all the answers. We talked about that recently, about that. And if she had not asked that question, we would not have this line, for nothing will be impossible with God. And with that, Mary goes, okay, I'm in awe. I'm going to make this awesome in my life. I'm not going to make this awful. Awful is restore, restored to awesome when we were in awe of God. You got fear, you got anxiety in your life, hope is here, then awe needs to be restored to awesome. Awfulness to, to awesome. When we are in awe of God, when we get a little picture of who he is and what he does and what he's about, it changes everything. And then we can have hope that is in a person. That is strong hope, hope that uh, is has an expectation of the future, uh, of blessing, and the confidence that the best is yet to come. And if you and I have said yes to Jesus, no matter what we're experiencing in this chapter of life, we have the absolute promise and confidence that the best is yet to come. There's going to be heaven, new heavens and earth, no sin, and that is what we hold on to. And that can be a hope in a person because Jesus makes that all possible. So we can have that kind of hope. What does Mary do? I belong to the Lord. May even have to deal with that little phrase. Would you say you as a Christ follower really belong to the Lord? I'm not trying to pick you on you, but do you belong to the Lord or not? 
Because when you and I can't say that, or can't say I'm moving in that direction, I want to belong to the Lord, body and soul, then we're going to have static on the line when it comes to understanding God's awesomeness, being in awe of him so that it restores our awful to awesome. Mary, let it happen as you say. At this and at this, the angel left her. Let it happen as you say. Even when I'm going, okay, I'm going this direction, I'm not always let it happen as you say. Can, can you let it kind of happen as you say? Can you, you know, backpedal a little bit? Mary is there because she has so much awe for who God is and what he is doing. You see, awe diminishes our doubts. Awe diminishes it. It minimizes it. It slows it down. It stops us from being captivated by doubt. We're captivated by awe and who God is. Now, when you think about doubt, we can, can show up in a number of ways, and sometimes it's a process. Uh, sometimes our doubt makes it so that we just write God off. We just say, ah, no, um, don't buy it, don't think he's going to do that, don't think that's what he's really about. You know, I think he started the world in motion and kind of has gone on vacation somewhere and doesn't have anything to do with me. Whatever we come, we can, we can write him off because of our doubt. Paul speaks to this, he says, what happened was this, people knew God, like the the, the, the culture, the culture was God-pointed, God-directed perfectly well. But when they didn't treat him like God, showing awe, showing respect, showing fear, refusing to worship him, showing that he was worth something in their life or worth all their life, they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. As I look at the landscape of our world, our country, our state, at times I say, wow, there is no direction left in these people, me being a part of that, lives. That's why it is so crazy. We say we don't doubt God, but we've really written him off. So doubt that writes God off. We, we need to get beyond that. And it's just not the person that has not said yes to Christ yet. Those of us who have said yes to Christ can be in these times where there's one area of life or two areas of life where we go, no, thank you, God. You're awesome, but I don't necessarily trust you in this area. So I'm going to go off and do my own thing. Also, there's doubt that disobeys. Uh, sometimes we know exactly what we're supposed to do. King Saul, the first Saul, the first king of Israel, uh, he knew exactly what he was supposed to do, and he completely just disobeyed it. And sometimes you and I will just disobey. We, we know in this area of life what God would have us to do, and we say, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do something else. When you and I do that, we're minimizing our sense of awe, which lets life have a lot of awfulness in it, rather than awesomeness. And all of us know there are times, and we may be in one of those times, where we're just saying, I'm going to disobey. I'm just not doing that. Uh, then there's also the situation where doubt that worries but still obeys. And this is an amazing place to be. You're trying to look at God, and you're trying to see his awesomeness, and you're trying to move in that direction. You're a little nervous about it, or you're a lot of nervous about it, and you take a step in that worry. You're still worried, but you still obey. I think of Gideon. If you know Gideon, uh, you know, the Older Testament, a judge, and um, 
he had to do some battles, some warfare kind of a thing, and God had him narrow his army down so it got smaller and smaller and smaller, which makes no sense at all, and he does it, and they win. You can check it out, Judges 7, and he has worry. He has, I don't know about this, but I am going to obey you. Um, you know, uh, we've just got to get to that place where we're, we're doing that. Uh, then there's also this idea, the flip side of this, it helps us with our doubt, but it also on the other side, awe, awe energizes faith. Um, intellectually, it energizes faith. When we, we have awe and we believe something is true, now the thing we've got to be careful about is sometimes we believe things are true, but we don't act on that. I hate to say this, most times I go to the doctors, I believe exactly what he said is true. I remember when I was turning maybe... Uh, Coming in on 40, and my doctor said, Dave, you're getting to be the same age as me. You need to stop eating ice cream. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> no, no, I mean, I mean, you need to stop eating ice cream. It will affect your cholesterol, affect your weight. I'm like, I, I, I agree. I believe him intellectually, totally. In practice, you can see I still, every once in a while, partake of some ice cream or more ice cream than I ought to. And so when it comes to even just the basics of the faith, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This idea of eternal life, this idea of believe is trust. It's more than just knowing it in your mind. It's getting it into your heart. It's actually putting the weight of your salvation, your eternity, your life now in his hands, believing that he's got you. So intellectually, believing something true is some of the way there, but it's got to get a little bit more there if you're going to have your faith energized. Taking crazy rests and expecting God will save me. This is not what we're talking about here. You know, it's not that you're not trusting God. You don't have to do crazy things. We could see people in the Older Testament and the New Testament who at first glance did something crazy. But if you look how God worked in their life, it led them up to that place. One of the things that I did not want to have happen when we were thinking about adding on to the building a few years ago and we raised a lot of money and then we took out a mortgage, I, I, I was very conscious about taking out a mortgage and how much that would be each month. I didn't want to, in a sense, hamstring the church. And I didn't want to be in a place where uh, I said, Lord, man, now you've got to bail us out. We need more funds to make this payment every month because we're not going to be able to make it. Yet at the same time, I didn't want to not have any faith. I wanted to... Take a step of faith. I thought God was leading us. We thought God was leading us as a leadership team. And then as a whole church, we thought. But I wanted to be careful. I didn't want to take a blind step of faith where, you know, God, now we need you to bail us out because we did something foolish. But I also didn't want to take a step of faith that really wasn't a step of faith. And every scenario is different. So making sure you're not just taking crazy steps. Sometimes I have to help folks through where they've made crazy decision after crazy decision, and, and now God has to help, and the church has to help pick up the pieces because they really weren't thinking. Got to be aware of that. Ignorant zeal is worthless. Haste makes waste. People ruin their lives by their own stupidity. So why does God always get blamed? How many times have you been in that situation where you look at life and at first you go like, God, why are you doing this to me? What's happened in my life? And you realize, wait a minute, 
I did it to me. I did it to me. So we have to make sure that awe is energizing faith, not causing us to do crazy things. Verse that talks about counting the cost. Jesus' own words. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Wouldn't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you had enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. They hadn't thought through the process. Sometimes you go places and you can see that actually happened. Somebody started something and they weren't able to finish it. They didn't count the cost. They didn't use wisdom. They, they took a step where God wasn't leading them, and it got them into trouble. I've seen that with a lot of Bible colleges that have had to close down. They took a step. It was like outside the bounds, and now it's empty. Sometimes you see that with churches, too. Also, this idea of being so optimistic that I have no doubts and thinking about that and thinking about the idea of where am I at? I don't just stick my head in the sand. No sooner than the words were out of his mouth than the father cried, then I believe, help me with my doubts. And so there's a part of this idea that you and I need to have help with our doubts. Uh, so there are going to be doubts. There's nothing wrong with identifying that. This father says, I, I believe, but help me get over the edge. Sometimes I have to pray, Lord, help me. I I'm trusting you, but, I but I I'm not feeling it in my heart. Help me feel it in my heart. And then also going along with a sense of awe is trusting God enough to embrace what he says. Embrace it. Because I see who he is. I'm in so awe of him. He instills so much confidence in me because I know who he is. I respond with embracing it. Mary says, I belong to the Lord, body and soul, replied Mary. Let it happen as you say. And at this, the angel left her. You see, there's really not much difference between awful and awesome, except for the focus of your awe. Where is your focus? Where's your awe? And if it is on God himself. So we try to put all these things together as we think about hope is here. We think about hope is here for the faithful. What do we do with that? We come back to this bottom line. The difference between awful and awesome is the focus of your awe. Be captivated by who God is. See him as holy of holy. Read some of the passages that describe somebody seeing and getting glimpses of heaven and go, that is God. I should be in awe of him. It actually could cause me a little bit, little tremble, not too much, but a little tremble that I have access to God Almighty, even though I can approach him with boldness. And so I go, wow, God, you are this way, so whatever is happening in my life, even though at first glance it may seem awful, can, become aw can, can be awesome when my focus is on his awe. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for the story of Mary. We thank you for the way she teaches us so much, the way she responded, the way she was just awestruck by your message to her through that angel, and the way she responded, let it happen. I'm, I'm all in. I'm not going to be afraid. I, I will go down this path. And Father, I, I just pray for my friends in this room right now. And I, I don't know what's going on in their lives. I don't know how hard it is, how heavy the lifting is. 
but I would ask that you would help us to be reassured that you are awesome and that you're awe in who you are. So as we look at what's happening in our life, rather than be captivated with it in a negative way and see how awful it is, we would see that it can be awesome because you're a part of it and our awe is based on you. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.